podcast mates. There you go. So welcome to Only Yesterday. I'm Tony. I'm Adam. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a Tangents episode. We're going to be having a really interesting conversation, though. This, this shit's going to get really interesting. So I've got a lot to say. Word. So, so what are we talking about today? <sighs> my friend, my podcast co-host... We are talking about faith crises, and I don't even—I don't like the fuck that word. It's not a crisis. Faith transitions, values transitions. Sure, I mean I can agree that it'll be that it can be a transition, but I can also like underscore that going through that can be a crisis for some people because it's an actual crisis of faith. Yes, but I want to take kind of the power out of kind of that experience and normalizing that experience is just something that we all go through. Okay. Rather than giving the people who created the values and stuff the power to call it a crisis. I was more saying for the person experiencing it. And I was talking about my experience. Like, Let's go. Yeah. So All right. um, my experience, you know, calling it a faith crisis, I don't like to call it that anymore because mm-hmm. um, fuck them. Like, <laughs> that's my attitude. Like. Okay, and so yeah. in more layman's terms, why would you not call it a faith crisis? For myself personally, just because it gives them a lot of power, meaning the church I and the people I left, like hmm. okay. it gives them the power, like oh he left us and now look at him, kind of feeling. I honestly, just I, personally, okay, word here, I, I hear you, I hear yeah. you. Um, so I see it even deeper. Well, me personally. Like, mm-hmm. I see it's even deeper than that. Like, if someone has a crisis of faith, like my personal crisis of faith, right? Like, it wasn't just, like, the particular church. It was the fact that there was a church that my family held the strong, and then the other church over here that held super strong in their beliefs. And then I'm like, so, like, the understanding of faith within itself, like, the the institutions, like, the institutions are there, but, like, the the God that everyone believes in, like, does it look different to other people? Why does it look different? Why is the same God who this person believes in looks different to this person over here? And so that's that's the crisis of faith. I, I was like, the, the, it was a crisis, like, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Oh, yeah. And for me, it was, too. But I like, I don't like calling it that, personally, just because mm-hmm. it gives them power. Sure, sure. And so let's get into it, like... Like, yeah, um, what did you grow up believing? Um, Or did you believe? I grew up believing that there was, you know, the the Christian Bible, the Christian story, right? Like the Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden, we as humans sinned, so we begin, blah, 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 all this extra shit. Um, And, you know, Jesus had died for our sins, and if we you know, continue on the same path as doing all the sin, then, you know, we're going to go to hell. And so, I mean, it was, you know, the basic, the Old Testament, New Testament mix, because my mom was a little, um, she's a little older. I'm not like, she's not like decrepit, bro. She's definitely still she, got- She's still young. Yeah, she's still spry, bro. You know yeah. what I'm saying? She'll still slap somebody up, for sure. But generation-wise, like, you're the younger of the kids. So, yeah. I mean, there you go. Same yeah. with me. I'm, my dad's like, way like he should be a lot younger in comparison to my age kind of thing like he had kids way old like Mm -hmm. in his i think 40s right right. so there you go word so yeah that's how i grew up and then and then coming here to utah and then seeing people who are you know friends people who i care about um hearing them tell their stories about you know joseph smith and you know byu and these things and just with, with the most uh, most passion, right? Like fervor, th- fervor, if you will. And so, like I, I, I try to be respectful of people's beliefs. Like I understand that <clears throat> where you grew up, you don't really have a choice as a child, and what you don't have a choice in the parents you have, and so what you're around, you don't have a choice. So that's just what you're. That's what you're gonna, you know, believe. And if you then, as an adult, continue to choose to believe these things, then that's fine too. Like. I understand that if that's your journey, then cool. Enjoy your journey. Hope you're doing great. Love you. Wish you the best. But um, I'm on a different path because I see I see life a little differently. Yeah. I wish it worked like that here in Utah. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> full stop. There you go. That's fine. Everybody lives in peace, whatever. 
But unfortunately, these are the people making the laws. These are the people that are kind of setting the – they have the purse strings of the state budget. They have all this shit that is based on their personal beliefs, whether you like it or not, and it's influenced by an organization mm-hmm. that spends money lobbying, that spends – that has like – we could get into it so deep, but I don't want to because yeah. it's – I don't want to give them another platform. Yeah. So there you go. Understandable for sure. So, yeah, um, I was thinking, like, when I told you, hey, this is what we're going to talk about, like, I had to think kind of what I wanted to say the most, because there's so much stuff I could say here. Yep, for sure. But there's there's a bunch. For me, growing up, I want to kind of detail what it was like for me growing up, just because some of our listeners might relate or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I grew up, you know, we had money, and my dad was... My, my dad and my mom were married and stuff, and we went to church every week. And so, like, money-wise, we were fine. Like, never had to nice. worry about that. Well, I won't put that on the podcast. That's for my therapist. Right. Um, <laughs> Talk about so, your therapy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for the most part, that was fine, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I grew up, like, believing, like, capital B, believing, like, I don't know how to describe it, but that's like when you grow up. So I grew up um, a brown person and an Asian person in Utah in statistically the richest per capita city in Utah. Hmm. Yeah. Our our neighboring city is the second richest. So I grew up around bougie people. Right. Okay. And these people like, yeah, they're bougie. And so like, I just didn't fit in Hmm. full stop. Like I just I think I was the only brown person in my grade growing up. Wow. Yeah. And for how long? Six years. Okay. Yeah. I was the brown person, literally, just like. Yo, that's, okay. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, so it was hella white. And, like, there were some other minorities, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was a very isolating experience. And so the way I found to fit in and have some belonging was to believe Right. And so I, I I played my part. I tried to be the best Mormon I could for the first 22 years of my life, maybe 20. Mm. No, 18 years of my life. First 18 years of my life. Yeah, I was full in, like, believing and stuff. And just I always had this kind of something in, inside of me. It was just like, this, this is weird. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. like. And I think it was that part of me that like wanted an identity to my own because everybody around me is like, oh, my great grandpa, my great, 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 great grandpa was bringing me on or was this person in the church, you know, and I I didn't have that. Like my dad was the first person joined in my family. So there you go. Like, there, yeah, yeah. you know, and so like, yeah, it was really just an isolating experience um, and then being made fun of for your race and that kind of shit. Did you get that a lot? I mean, uh, yes. So let's just simple answer. Yes. Um, uh, however, when I was growing up, um, I was fortunate enough to live in like l- lesser affluent areas. Yeah. So I was able to grow up around like people for, like the Somali refugee crisis. Like when that happened, like we, there was a, there was a bunch that came in to our, to our uh, apartment complex. Yeah. And then there was like the shit, like Egyptians, bro. There was like freaking. So you grew up in diversity. Like, I grew up luckily, dude. There was like even some natives there, which was uh, fucking yeah. awesome, dude. And so, uh, luckily, I was able to, you know, grow up in that community. But again, you know, going to school, of course, there's still like it's majority white, but like there's still some, there's still some like different minorities in there. So it was, it was nice, but um, it's still just like the. The subtleties, right? Like, as you you go outside, you go to the store. Most people are white, like mm-hmm. you, you know. And again, that's, that's not that that's an issue. It's just like something that I'm noticing as a person of color. And and again, people getting made fun of, being called yeah. the N word, being spit at, like being they called bro- you the N word, bro. I yeah, I have been called if I had if I had a dollar for every time I've been called the N word in my life in Utah, mm. in Utah alone, yeah, um, yeah, I'd have about like maybe a hundred and some dollars. Okay. I thought it was going to be like a billion, but I mean, <laughs> we could go there. I, I mean, I don't know, but it's like maybe like a hundred ninety nine thousand. That's still too many dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So that's not all right. And I got called racial slurs too, so I can kind of relate to. But it was more, I don't think they really knew the racial slurs for a Japanese Pakistani brown dude. Like, I don't mm. think there is one. I can make one up, but there's not one. Yeah. So they just thought I was Mexican. Okay. And that was kind of, they made fun of me for, because they thought I was Mexican. So based on those racial stereotypes. But anyway, just like growing up believing, we've talked about a little bit way, way back. But yeah, it was a fucking isolating experience. Like mm. I, I can't describe it. Um, but my real like faith crisis started kind of, it was kind of dumb. But basically like the BYU football team, like my whole neighborhood loved BYU football, right? Okay. They kind of made a cult out of it too. Like a, like a full cult. Mm. Or like a, they incorporated a kind, it into their already of, existing cult. How about that? Uh, okay, it's like a kind of cult. When they win, it's the will of God kind of feeling. Uh, okay. When they lose, somehow God was like, I don't know, watching another team where he had to mow the lawn that day. I don't know what God was doing, like, but he wasn't watching the BYU football. Okay, the act of Satan that maybe made them lose. Maybe I don't know. So, um, and so. It was kind of that atmosphere, and it was a very traditional, very conservative, just, you know, so the, I, I didn't fit in. Let's just put it that way. I right. did not fit in at right. all. And so growing up, you're told that God is this white dude with a beard that sits on a couch in the sky. You know, I'm like, why can't he be, like, purple? Or why can't he be, like, an alien? Or, like, why can't he be, like, brown or white you know why does he have to be like it was that kind of tying in that that like identity into deity you know mm -hmm. and that was my first kind of like this is weird like no no i i, I feel you yeah. so i feel my my thought about like <clears throat> how are we certain that this how are we certain that god looks the way that this person is saying how are we certain that other cultures who are polytheistic, how are we certain that any of their gods don't exist or do exist, right? And so I was thinking, I had that thought too. I was like, what if God is just like, just a, just a ball of energy, right? That radiates like light and like, I, oh, I guess fucking microorganisms. Um, or I don't know, it's just like, how are we certain that it's the way that we all think it looks? And my baby son is a little grumpy. I don't know if y'all can hear. He doesn't like what we're talking about or something. He doesn't like this conversation. Take an exception. But anyway, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you when I die. And if right. if I'm around to tell you when I die, you know, somehow, like a ghost or something on a TV screen, I'll tell you. Like, this is what God looks like. But until then, I don't know. Mm. Word. That would be cool. It'd be interesting. You know, like just this morph of this ball of whatever, you know, like you see in sci-fi or like cartoons and stuff. Right. That would be cool. You know, I was raised thinking differently and I did think differently for a long time, you know? Um, and I think the real thing about like the faith crisis that I went through was just how I had this moment, you know, the MTC, you know what that is, right? Sure. Missionary training center. It's in Provo. Oh, okay. It's where you send missionaries. Okay. Like Mormon missionaries, the youth, they... Yep. Yeah. Okay. Guys in the white shirts. Got it. So they sent me there like the first... When I was 18, right? To go on a mission to Japan. Okay. Coolest fucking experience ever. Um, And just like day one, I got there and I'm like, something's wrong. This is, this is not true. Like, this ain't this, it. This ain't it. Like... Because I was raised thinking, like, it would be this wonderful, like, experience, like, you see in all the Christian movies or whatever, you know. Right, right. We're going to baptize all these people. But it was not like that at all. It was like, it was like a Scientology camp. Hmm. Like, you sit in a classroom for 16 hours a day, it feels like. But it's, it's not 16, but it's like 12 hours a day just studying. And, like, you can't leave your companion's sight unless you're pooping or sleeping. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Like you, you have all these rules, like you're living in Provo, but you can't leave the campus. People can't come visit you. Hmm. Um, and on top of that, I was, I was having a lot of like mental health issues where it was, it was almost like having psychosis, but not quite like hmm. I was scrubbing my mind for quote unquote sinning. 
you know? And so like just the, just having a mental health breakdown and being like in a vulnerable position like that, it just, there's a lot of trauma, you know? Right. It was traumatic. And, um, I just felt kind of, how do I say it? Two and two didn't equal four at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like I was raised being told this and that about God and mm-hmm. about all these things. And I just had this kind of experience that it wasn't, you know, wasn't real. Like, yeah, no, I mean, it's like, how is it that everyone can be right? What if nobody's right? Yeah. And we're just all doing fucking nothing or we're all doing all of this for monetary gain for political power mm-hmm. for tax exemptions and i think i literally thought about that today um it happens to be a sunday but as yeah. i was driving by i like i saw people you know like pulling into the church and whatnot and i'm like i wonder if the people know that the bishop or the pastor or the preacher or whoever bishop. the bishop knows that god doesn't exist if that be the case, right? Like, I wonder if they, wow. if the bit, like, if the bishop knows that and or if, believes that, but continues to play this role, so then they can continue to get more money, so that they can continue with the political power for the game. I had that thought as I was pulling up today. So, um, that's interesting because, like, I don't think he does. I think he's a believer. I'm certain at least one at of least, them. At least, well, yeah, yeah, at least, it's statistically, there's probably one out there. Mm-hmm. I've known a lot of bishops, so I'll tell you what I've seen from them. At that level, I think they're in on the game. It's kind of like where you have management at like a restaurant chain, you know, mm-hmm. where you have the people that, you, you get the people, like the managers that are going to do like what the company wants and shit. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. Word. And uh, for the record, uh, if we still have many listeners left in this episode, um, I choose to believe in a higher power. Like, I believe that something exists. So I'm not saying that I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I'm like, if if one doesn't exist, do you think that any of the preachers, pastors, you know, this, this and that know that and are trying to be like, we need to get as much shit as we can before. Yeah. Um. I think the people at the top realize it because they're the ones that are like the like yeah, authority. We need, we need a temple over here. We need one over here. Oh, yeah. In, in this corner. Okay. So I'm looking over here at the, the, the blueprint. Okay. Yeah. No, we need one over here. There's not many over here in this area. Like we need more money over here. You say temple. I say ways to use that stockpile of billions of dollars. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like money laundering. Basically. Like, yeah. What do you get? What else are you going to do with it? You know, kind of thing. Yeah, so um, it's like you you spend it however many hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. On yeah, boom, 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 stay here. But then every Sunday, like clockwork, y'all need to come through and yeah. I need your ten percent. I need that off top. And this is really depressing. But the Mormon Church, like we don't know the Catholic Church's mm-hmm. records on paper, they're the richest religion in the world. Sure, just billions of dollars, like hundreds mm-hmm. of billions, and so. Yeah, it's crazy. It's wild. So, yeah, that's interesting you're bringing that up. I think about that all the time of do these people realize? And I don't think they do Hmm. because it gives them comfort, you know, and it offers community. It does – I will say that they do a lot of good things. You know, they offer community. They offer support Mm -hmm. until you fall into one of the categories that isn't their norm, you know. Yeah, and I, f- I feel like maybe the Christian church is a bit more forgiving. Probably. Um, I'm feeling cynical almost. Like, Why? <laughs> like, just because we're on the topic, of, like, just if we're talking, like, however many organizations uh-huh. are making however much money from however many people who believe that something's going to happen at the end of the day when they give them the money and nothing does. Or they yeah. say, oh, God, had, God has different plans, or just be patient, it's coming, like... It's it. <sighs> imagine, imagine this. I pitch you this. I'm like, okay, after you die, hmm. I'm gonna take your ashes to wherever you want, whatever the most expensive, luxurious cruise. But it has to be after you die, and along the way, you got to pay me ten percent of all the money you make, like, and you got to come to my meetings each week. 
It's like before you go on the cruise, you need to give me 10% until it's time for the cruise. Then you don't have to pay anything. But you have to be dead. But you have to be dead to go on the cruise. Exactly. That's that's yeah. what it is. It's a dead cruise. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it's a dead cruise. So, um, um, so make your money, spend it. Yeah, I would say the only churches that I know of that are more strict or as strict as the Mormon church are evangelical, like fundamental evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. Evangelism? I don't know. And then Jehovah's Witness yep. and Scientology. Yeah. And then like there's other like other religions that are, you know, like in the Middle Eastern. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those Islam. So I was getting into kind of um, – so my identity was kind of developing as an 18-year-old, you know. And mm-hmm. I went on the mission and I hated it from day one and I hated it from day two. And the whole experience was shitty, like – I can't describe it and I don't want to mm-hmm. um, because that's a lot of stuff that y'all don't need to know. Right. But no, it, I it made me question the very existence of God and I was suicidal and stuff. And mm. um, I was told one thing, like, but it was just during the course of my mission, I it became immediate that one, what you said, these guys are just like, they haven't seen God. They'll tell you they've seen God. They ain't seen God, mm. you know, kind of feeling. Yep. Um, they're they, like, I think the first, it's basically like an ultra sales. Like if you were part of a sales company, but then they take everything you own and send you to a foreign country and only let you talk to your loved ones for once a year, twice a year. Mm-hmm. And then every single day you have to work and work and work and you get three hours off a week. Yep. That's what that is. But you don't see very much of the proceeds, but you get to see, you get, you are blessed enough to see another church. Oh, our, our candidate who is wanting to save, you know, church and state are, is saying, oh, hey, they're, they're running for office. Okay. Politics. That's, that's a different, well, I guess we could talk about politics. We could talk about it. Fuck it. Let's talk about politics. But what I'm saying is like, you get to see the fruits of your labor through different means you then see that money you you don't really see that money like you see it go elsewhere you hear about how much money the church has we talk about you know like you said they got stocks or whatever like we hear about more drives that people are doing okay we'll be like hey we got this donation drive we're giving back to you know i don't know if they do homeless drives or anything (laughs) like that they should but they don't and so we 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 give back to members we have events we have you know like ancestry we have like this whole genealogy thing and so it's like what about the members who are actively struggling to even give you their 10 percent? like can you help them Oh my god, that makes like, me so mad! You just struck right. a chord, bro. You just <laughs> like, open this. You, you open this boxes, bro. You're gonna get what you get, bro. And that's that's like, that's what I feel though. Like that's what I feel. I have heard so many stories. It makes me so angry. Where people tell like, "Oh, I I didn't have enough money to buy food or whatever, and so I paid my tithing." I'm like, "That's not gonna put food on your table. It's not gonna put unless you go to the food bank afterward." Yeah, but j- you you could skip. Step A, and just do step B, and just be just as fine, you know. Right. Like, fuck, like that makes me mad. Yeah. Um. So yeah, get getting through it. Like, we sit down. We're all missionaries, you know. We from different regions in Tokyo. We get together for a meeting, and this guy's supposed to be like the regional manager or whatever. Like he's they call him an elder. Mm-hmm. He's an authority. It's like a company. He he. We sit down. It's like my first month there. This is when I got a serious case of the fuckets for the rest of the two years I was there. Right, right. He just grills us and says, these numbers aren't enough. This, What do you think you're doing? Like, you're just wasting <laughs> your time. This is not enough. Okay. And I'm thinking like, okay, I have this concept of God, and that does not include him looking like an insurance salesman in the company saying that we failed for the quarter kind of thing. You know, like I don't think God is caring about his quarterly yeah. increases. You know, and that's it's a, it's a good point, and I'm glad you said that, dude, because it ties back into we say, and I let me just go on the record and say that I'm not a theologian. I'm clearly not a I pastor. I'm not a priester. Um, I a priester. Priester. <laughs> it's tangents, everybody. We're uh, we're a little tangential here, so uh, we're a little tangential. That's right. Um, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a priest. So 
I don't know all the expenses that go into owning, you know, and running a church. Of course, you know, I'm sure there's like the maintenance, there's the, you know, the bills. Um, <clears throat> and I'm sure, you know, everyone gets their cut, the deacons, the the musicians, the blah, 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 whatever. They don't. Um, well, I'm sure someone's getting a cut of something. They're volunteer. They're all volunteers. They don't get paid. I So pastor has to get paid. I'm certain pastor has to the get bishop? paid. Bishop? Bishop, pastor. Okay, I'm just, I'm, okay. Well, in Christian churches, this okay. is this is why this is why this is why I'm having this conversation. Yeah, and, and regular, they they do get paid. Yeah, someone's got to do it. You got to reach like this guy's level, like general authority level, to actually get paid. So right, and so like, I then think like, realistically, I'm just I'm just gonna say this: whoever, someone who is like in the Mormon church. Someone there is getting paid. There's nothing you can tell me. Like, you you can't convince me no one's getting paid. You cannot. I refuse to believe it. People are so, getting paid. Yeah, exactly. And so what I'm saying is the people who are getting paid are saying, hey, we need this much money for the next quarter. Okay, well, first thing we're going to do, or perhaps one of the things we might do, is say we need 500 more uh, members. And so we're going to, you know, this little mission case, however many, see if you can guys get any members. We came back with 325 members. Damn, we're short. Okay, how are we going to make this money? What do we need to do? Like, can we just take it out of savings or can we like freaking? And so I I, I think, I swear, I think on this level because some someone is doing this. Someone is thinking about these things. They I'm certain. They are, but like it's the brainwashing is so, they think they're doing the, the, the word of God. They think that they're doing kind of like God's errand or whatever, but there's got to be somebody up there. It's like. You guys are idiots. Give me your money, kind of feeling, you know? Like, I'm sure that exists. And, and let me, let me just, um, let me clarify and say that I don't, I don't necessarily believe that that's all churches. I'm sure that there very well may be some who are, you know, benevolent, who are genuine, who, you know, donate the rest of whatever extra money to whatever cause or charity or, you know, homeless shelter or whatever. Like, I I just want to go ahead and say I'm not like bashing all churches. Okay, I'm I'm bashing man who is using church to abuse people. That's what I'm bashing. I'm bashing both, but yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Word. So anyway, like yeah, so we had like basically this sales meeting almost. Mm-hmm. And as a missionary, you're told that okay, God's going to be with their with you in like the micro moments. He's going to tell you where to go. I'm saying he because they believe he's a he. Right, right. That's um, the, that's what we hear. Yeah. So they they say like he's gonna be there. You're gonna have Jesus on your side, and I was mm-hmm. like sitting there like two years done. I'm like I don't see Jesus on my side. Like this is two years in. There's nothing, you know. And right. so like, and I never had any like miracles like they promised. I never had any like God is speaking to me and He's guiding me and telling me to go down this street to meet this person because He wants to save them. Kind of, I I didn't have any of that. Right. On top of that, I had mental health problems that were so severe that I became suicidal and I was passively suicidal for two years. Hmm. Like just, I don't want to exist anymore kind of feeling like I don't want to, I'd rather have not done this. I'm stuck here. Right. Right. Um, these people around me, the fellow missionaries are assholes. Like I'll, I'll tell you a story. This is a funny one. Um, I'm in the countryside in, in outskirts of Tokyo, like not even in Tokyo, but a, a prefecture. It's like we have a curfew, you know, and so we have to be there. You or Tokyo has a curfew? No, Tokyo does not have a curfew. Okay, that I, city just, does not just, sleep. Just for our listeners yeah. who've never been to Tokyo or don't know anything about it, don't it. sleep. It doesn't sleep. Okay, <laughs> no. so the um, missionaries had a curfew. Yeah, so we're sitting there. It's a red light, and it's like a one. The street lane is like probably about half the size of this room. Okay, there's nobody out there. It's the fucking countryside. It's a red light. The hand things up. I walk across the red light, like the street, no cars in sight, no people. My companion turns to me and he's pissed. Like he's outraged. He's like, big man. He's like, elder, do you want God on our side? Like you just crossed that red light. God's not going to be on our side. I'm like, bitch, he was not on our side from the beginning. Wow. I would, I would tell (laughs) him. I almost hit him. Like I, I would tell him. Yeah. Um, I challenge you elder. Or brother, or whatever it is, elder, elder. I challenge you, elder. Please open your Bible or Book of Mormon and show me where God says anything about crossing a red light. 
So yeah, so we had missionary rules like a handbook, right? And so like they thought that those were scripture too. Oh, and so it like, was like the handbook has been blessed. Kind of, okay. it was just like the prophet came up with all these rules, and this is this is how they talk. The prophet came up with all these rules, and kind of feeling you know like okay. when they give talks, that's how they give a talk. Like, right, right, right. So that cadence. Um, no, they had this rule book that they thought was guided by God, and they thought our mission president was guided by God, so anything he said was God's word. Did they say anything about crossing at a red light? Not specifically, no. So that, that person who was just being a little Karen. He can eat a dick. Basically. Yeah, uh, yeah basically. And I, did, I told him to go to hell. So <laughs> we almost got, we almost threw hands, like several times we almost threw hands because of that kind of stuff. I like, f- hmm. yeah, it was a bad, and you're stuck with these people 24 right, seven, like, literally like, in your line of sight all the time. Yes. The only time you don't see them is when you're sleeping and when they're pooping. When they're quote unquote pooping. 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 Yeah. You know what they're doing. It's like an hour long shit. I mean, you, you, you know, tell me. I mean, like if you're like super strung up, like, yo, I can't, I need to make sure I get all these followers. We haven't converted anyone yet today. I need to, I just saw an ankle. Oh. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm in Tokyo, bro. I'm about to lose it. I saw like, I saw some chest, like some bear chat kind of feeling, you know? Right. Right. Just cleavage. Like. I can't describe it, but it's just like this bullshit, like you have so many rules and you're told if you break them that Jesus isn't going to be on your side for the next however, you know, and you got to go, wait, you're not going to baptize people and find people and not have the spirit. So, yeah. So I've never been a member, so I've never heard any of that. Like this is just as missionaries. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like if you do this, Jesus isn't going to be on your side. You're not going to be able to baptize people. Yeah. Is it because they're going to kick you out, or is it because it's, you've sinned and now and you you've feel sinned so and you've offended the spirit? So now you're not going to have the spirit to convert people. Uh, okay. So like that applies to anything. Like you're you're home at nine thirty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're fucked the next day. You didn't. You said something mean. You didn't. Like it was very much this like fair cycle. Like, it's like counting steps. It sounds bullshit. like working on discipline. So setting those <clears throat> expectations. So it sounds like setting those expectations. Hey, and if you don't, oh, your spirit's not going to be clean enough because you're going to be thinking about the fact that you had sinned and then you're not going to be focused on this over here. So like in that aspect, like trying to control one's life and saying, hey, these are, and I mean, <clears throat> granted as a society, like society's life is relatively controlled, right? But when it comes down to like the micro level, right? Like <clears throat> you must have this person in your line of sight at all times, like, and all these other bullshit, then yeah, it can def, it can seem cult esque. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just stupid. And so I went through that and I grew up kind of going back to it. Um, very rigid moral standards. Like, yeah. And I have anxiety, I have trauma and those two don't mix well with, like those kind of standards. It's like, and it's very much like they groom you to feel guilt over things. They groom you to feel guilt over normal things. And shame. Shame. Yo, and if you haven't listened to our shame and guilt episode or guilt and shame. What are you doing? Come on. I mean, listen shame. to it. It's right there. You can, it's, it's good. We got some good stuff. Yeah. And so, um, I was raised like even the attitudes towards sex. Like we didn't talk about sex at all in school. Like, conservative state you know you don't talk about sex and sex ed right right um well, i mean i've i've had sex ed um i thought you're gonna say i've had sex i'm like no. that's good you have a kid so <laughs> no i mean um um but yeah i've had like sex ed and like health class as well and so it was i guess i was again blessed to have had that experience right like to have been like yo these are stds this is what one looks like when you put your genitals in an std they're, but they're forbidden from teaching you to use a condom or birth control. Like, it's it's in the state laws. That's wild because I was shown specifically how to put You had, like, a rogue on. teacher out there or something, Yo, man. we're fucking <laughs> in the building, bro. Yo, and what's weird? Yo, here's the thing. As an adult, okay, I've seen some, <clears throat> we'll, we'll say, adult-flavored documentaries. <laughs> okay? Sure. And so... <laughs> In I, I I okay. Anyways, in my health class, there was a video of like okay, so this is what 
Like you talk about like we're getting pregnant, right? So this is what it looks like when a penis ejaculates in a vagina. Like, and I was the very same adult flavored documentary. Like one of the clips that was in there, I saw it in that health class. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yo, my man fell back. Yo, you might need help. Yo, and so what I'm what I'm saying is, um, it wasn't like it wasn't like the full clip, right? Like it wasn't like the whole you know man pulled up with the delivery pizza or nothing like that. It was just like it was just the moment of, and so it was it was weird because the camera was like on the inside of whatever, and so honestly, it may have been like a flashlight. I don't fucking know, but I mean, but anyways, what I'm saying is, um. Sex ed is also important. Yeah. Uh, so be mindful. I don't know how the hell we got here, but here I don't know. Are. Oh yeah. So sexual in a, sexual repression in, in, a, in a place where it's not yeah. you know talked about that often. I'll say. Yeah. For sure. And again, I think you had like a renegade teacher or something because like they weren't allowed to show us. Like they were only allowed to show certain things. So I mean, mind you, it was in like high school, but even in high school, like we watched a video about this person who was raped. And they like, it was basically like a don't have an abortion video. Cause I, Whoa. Yeah. So. Wow. That's uh, the kind of culture I grew up in, man. Uh, wow. In school, in public funded, they spent public funded dollars to show us that if you have an abortion, you're going to ruin your life. What's, never mind. I don't even think, yeah, uh, uh, never mind. Ask away. I was going to say, what school is this, bro? It's it's nearer to your house than you'd like it to be. Let's just put it that way. Great. Okay. And so that... uh, It's in the same district, probably. Sure, sure. So, so yeah, that's fucking wild. Um, So, yeah, I grew up with a lot of, like, I'll call it fundamentalism, thinking mm -hmm. that God is in your details of your very life and knows everything about you. And that could be cool. Unless it's the stuff we just talked about that made me laugh my ass off. Like, <laughs> I don't want God watching me do that stuff kind of feeling, you know? So that's, that's another thing. Like, yeah. that's, I'm just going to say, if we, if we subscribe to the notion that God is everywhere at all times, omnipotent, he's, he's here, he's there, he's everywhere, he's watching everyone do everything at all the time, like... Are there times He's a pervert (laughs) Well not even that Just on the flip Like people who are Like seriously Genuinely Like really Into the faith Right They're like Is God Watching me Wipe my asshole Right now Like Is God watching Me and Like Is he watching us Beef right now Like I'm I'm sure there's Some Some special documentaries Quote unquote Somewhere about that kind of stuff Geared towards that kind of stuff Or do they just like Tune it out Like don't look at me right now God Like turn around or are they just like I? Do they just don't think about it? That's why I was terrified to sin. Mm. Like, what's God gonna think about this at the Judgment Day kind of feeling? You know. Yep. I also had OCD, which didn't help. Right, right. Which compounded it. We did an episode about that. So, um, but yeah, it's having OCD that I'd go to hell on my mission, and it was traumatic. And so I never really felt God there, like they said you would. And then I got home and like. So I was 20 when I got home and just like, I didn't want to be associated. I was ashamed. I didn't want to be associated with Mormonism at all Hmm. because of what they had done with like gay people and the way they treated LGBT community, the racism, right, right. Just all these things. It was to the point where in college classes, like when they talked about it, I wouldn't identify myself as that because mm. I didn't want people to come at me like, Hey, why do you think this? You know? Right. Cause yeah. And I mean, I can understand that as well. Right. Like you are like, you feel, it's almost like you feel like ashamed almost, or maybe not even that, or you feel like embarrassed or you feel like, you know, I don't want to, you know, let people know or. Yeah. And so, and I, I understand that as well. And so it's, it's, it's difficult for someone who's experiencing something like that and saying, yeah. Hey, like, I'm not sure if I believe the same thing my parents believe. And yeah. And 
like, I think, so I had slow awakening. Um, one of them was my best, one of my best friends. Um, he, he was telling me he worked like, shout out to Sean. He's cool. Um, he worked in like the intake in the ER. So he had to interview people like, why, why are you here? You know, kind of thing. And this is, I'm getting get tears thinking about this, but he was interviewing like this Mormon teen, this youth who was gay mm-hmm. and they had just given a talk and I don't even remember the talk, but they give talks every six months. And this person felt so like, so disenfranchised, so isolated because that single talk that they put like a wire around their neck, trigger warning, and they had ligatures and they failed, uh, like didn't fail, but like they did not complete the attempt, but they tried to kill themselves because of the talk. So was the the person who was giving the talk, right? Like were they trying to be as compassionate as possible or were they like... This person has a history for saying stuff like this, kind of that God's on my side about talking about gay people. This is God's opinion, so I don't care what people think. Oh. Mm. So it was condemning home like condemning the LGBT community. Right, right. And basically telling them like the <coughs> message that they got was you don't have a place in this church. There's no place for you kind of feeling. Like there is if you're willing to deny your sexuality and just be pretend kind of feeling. Yeah, and that's that's hard. Um I can only imagine, right? Like I I'm not a member. Um yeah. but especially if what you're telling me is true and I want to believe it is, like this person is like hey i'm reaching out i'm trying to get assistance from you who happens to be a member of like a member of faith like a man of god and you know to be told whatever they were told to make them feel like they needed to you know it's it it sucks bro it fucking sucks like and so i then i question the morality then is it because this person is still stuck in like old Testament type stuff or they hold so strongly to the beliefs that say, you know, man lies with a woman, woman lies with the man type stuff that they refuse to acknowledge that some people don't subscribe to that type of lifestyle. And then because they don't subscribe to the exact same type of lifestyle that was aforementioned, then they get treated like shit because you don't believe what this elder is telling me. So you're obviously a sinner. Not only are you a sinner, you're probably going to go to hell because you're doing yeah. all these sinner-like qualities and not coming to the church and not repenting and not, you know, <clears throat> getting right with our version of the Lord. I think it's more along the lines of the group that you're part of is a big threat to our uh, our power, the LGBT community. Um, they see them as a threat. You know, by just the laws, you know, being passed of gay marriage and just they see them as a threat. That's how I feel. That's they're they're afraid of them because they're threatened by them because people like me are leaving in hordes over this issue. So it's like that double down kind of feeling like. Right. So it's like the double down until so many members. And so this here's when you were saying that they believe they're a threat. I had. I I agree with that to an extent. Um, I agree with that to the extent that they are not yet concerned about a lack of membership. Um, once it becomes a massive concern, once it's like, okay, well, maybe we really are losing more money, maybe we're unable to balance the checkbooks, or maybe we're <clears throat> losing more membership, right? Because we have new things that we need to talk about and we need to have our members listen to. Um then it's going to become, okay, well, perhaps uh, there's been a revelation. Maybe you can have the gay people come to church, but don't be too gay. Be respectful, that's, right? That's you, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. like uh, and they're starting to get that way, but that's just because of those stories that I just told. Like, yeah. Just, and they're that way with the black community too. Like, they, they recently had, um, a TikTok account started called the Black Menaces. It's these six, I think it's six, African-American women at BYU who are telling their stories on TikTok. And so... Wait, so they're called the Black Menaces? Yeah, they titled themselves that. Okay. Yeah. 
It's kind of an ironic satiric name because they're quote unquote menaces to people, but they're not really, you know. Okay. Yeah. Are they also? Blah, blah, blah. Are they also of the faith? Yes, they go to BYU. Well, yeah. Most you, people that go to BYU, I was going to yeah, say you uh, can yeah. you can go to BYU without really being a part of the religion. You, you can. It's just most people that do. Are. Okay. They just have. Okay. They just happen to be. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So that started like a few months ago, and then. Like in Mormon General Conference, they most recently had their first black woman speaker. Like the most recent conference. So it was just kind of like. 2022. Yeah. This year? This year. Be- the end of 2022. The end roughly. of 2022. And this was because, I, I think, because of the black menaces creating kind of that PR problem. <sighs> okay. So. Let me say, I can understand that, like, perhaps they wanted to avoid a conflict by saying, hey, we we do appreciate the strong black woman. Yes. Bring her to the conference. Let her speak for, how long did she speak for? Uh, seven to ten minutes, I seven think. Seven to ten minutes. And I can only imagine the demographics of everyone else who was there. But I mean, I'm, I'm again. I wasn't there. I don't truly know, so I'm not going to speculate. I, I you, I, I'm not going to speculate. <laughs> I, I said I can only imagine. Um, I've been in those buildings. I can tell you, but uh, sure. No, I, I believe you. I believe yeah. you. And so, what I'm saying is, I, I feel like it seems like only yesterday women <laughs> got the right to vote, right? It yeah. seems like only yesterday we was talking about that shit. Exactly. But now. You know what? We ain't gonna get into it. Y'all know the name of the show. Um, but yeah, I'm. I still have more to. Please. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was just a little. Yeah, little, I thought. I thought you were like the Mister Rogers song, where it's like the show's ending and he puts no, a sweater bro, on and he's bro. going home to his real job and his as, real family. As soon as as soon as you hear me say, so if you or that, anybody you know, see, there you go. That, that's <laughs> how you know. That's how you know it's the Mister Rogers. Okay, bit. okay, okay, okay. So anyway, um, so I'm this college kid, you know, and. I had this shitty two-year experience. It was so traumatic. I'm still having nightmares about it seven years later. Um, and still processing that trauma, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I was confused. And I came back, you know, and I just felt broken. And I felt just so out of place and so, like, disenfranchised from the world. And just so um, – so I quit going to church for a long time. And I would go every once in a while because I had friends, and that's the only reason I went. But, like, my construct of God had changed at that point. I still believed in God, but I believed in a more loving and forgiving God and one who contradicted a lot of the things I was seeing. And so right, right. over the time, it's like, okay, my concept of God, my values, who I want to be doesn't align with this, so I got to leave, you know? Mm. And I flirted with that for a while, but it was a long process. I stayed in because I didn't want to shame my family and I didn't want to be the cause of that right. heartbreak to my mom. Cause my mom was always there for me. I did a lot of the stuff I did for my mom. Um, and I didn't want to see that. I didn't want to break her heart, you know? So yeah, I stayed yeah. and I hope she's not listening. Cause fuck, that's so sad. Um, yeah. <laughs> you look like you have something to say. No, I mean, <clears throat> I, uh, I don't know, man. I I can understand how difficult it must be to like have to bear, you know, the feeling of being uncomfortable, like at the very least. Yeah. And then having a whole spiritual, I'll say, you don't want to use the word crisis. I'll say a spiritual disturbance. Um, disturbance in the force. And then on top of that, like having whatever like psychological or interpersonal issues. And and then on top of that, like, I don't want my family to be suffering because of me. Like, I don't want to have so much attention brought on to me that the family struggles. So instead, yeah. <laughs> bro, it's weird. And so instead, went to the Air Force, right? Instead of wiling out, instead of out being out here literally destroying these streets, which I very justifiably could have been doing, um... So you're, you're kind of seeing young Tony in my story. It's kind of like a movie where you're my mentor. Well, it's it's almost like I, I'll i say really anyone who 
has a, and I'll, I'll double down, bro, a crisis of faith. And you're like, everything that I knew, everything that I knew up to this point and believed in up to this point, mm-hmm. and now I'm being challenged heavily by whatever this entity is over here, be it a person, an ideology, a lack of a person, whatever. I'm being challenged by this. How does my faith feel about this? How can I stand on this without asking anyone else, Mm -hmm. right? Like, what is it that I can do? Like my own personal, you know, so-and-so. And then some people double down in their faith, have a beautiful life, continue on. And some people say, okay, well, maybe the things that I've come to understand are a little different than what I thought. So let me perhaps try to get some perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people go through that. Yeah. Um, or at the very least, uh, a lot of people who are, you know, mindful of their own development should go through that. Yeah. And I'm glad that you said that because that's part of, you know, growing up is questioning your values and kind of finding out who you are. But right. this is a different level. It's hard to explain because like, so Mormonism is very much about family. And so you're told to get married as quick as you can when you're in your twenties. So I was trying to do that. And everybody I met was just kind of like their values just didn't match mine. And it was isolating because I mean, how hard is it to find somebody that accepts gay people or accepts like, yeah, this, that's that shit that they said that was messed up. How hard is it to find somebody? It was really hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Sometimes. It was really hard. Um, and so that was part of it. And then just, um, just questioning and seeing like your people that you were associated with growing up saying all this terrible stuff about gay people or just, and then seeing people support them in that and, or just people that you care about. Yeah. That, that was harder. Like, um, and when I left, like, I had nobody. Like, I didn't have somebody in my family that supported me leaving. Like, everybody mm. was a believer, you know? Right, right. And shout out to my mom and my aunt for supporting me, you know? But, like, I w- that was what kept me in for so long is that fear of having nothing. Right. Like, I'm, I feel vulnerable talking about it now, mm-hmm. even now after processing it. But... It was they kept me in for so long because I was afraid of losing one my family now, and then my family in the afterlife. Like, and and I feel like that's <clears throat> I feel like that's in in my personal opinion I yeah. feel like that's by design um, to say <clears throat> if you don't follow through with what we're teaching you, then you are probably going to lose them in this life, and then definitely going to lose them in the afterlife. So you better do everything I say to the fucking T. Otherwise, you're going to be real sorry. And and I mean that in the most respectful way. I mean that in the most manipulative way possible. Like, <laughs> to say, like, I'm going to maintain membership. I'm going to grow my membership. I'm going to grow my, you know, empire, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I'm going to make them fear leaving me because if they do leave me, I'm going to lose power. Or I'm going to lose whatever. So I'm going to instill as much, you know, discipline, as much rigmarole. I'm going to keep you busy. I'm going to keep you doing this. I'm going to keep you doing that. And if you leave, you're going to hell. So don't. And so it's like, it, I think that's by design. Yeah. I I think we need to do a skit or like a sketch, like a key and pill, where we're giving general conference and then you translate like what they're really saying. (laughs) (laughs) I'd I'd be down, bro. I would be down for that. I would, I would die to, I would die laughing because that's funny. Um, I'm with it. So, but yeah, getting, getting back into it. Like, yeah, I just the sheer, just nothingness that they tell you it's going to be, but guess what? It's, it's great on the other side. Like I fucking love it. Like, (laughs) yeah. So I was there for a while. Just our teacher in school shared an experience that was very similar to mine. And I asked him like, yo, what'd you do to, to get through that? Like, how did you face your family after leaving? And he just said, you know, it's like, you got your feet in two different boats side by side Mm. and you got to choose which boat you want to be on. Right, you can sit there and be in this kind of like just this gray zone, but it's it's gonna suck. You can, 
and I'll <clears throat> I'll break that down even more, right? Just just a little bit more. So you can be in both boats, right? You can be in the moment where I'm wanting to hold on to this faith or I'm not entirely sure. And then you you can have that. You can be there. Great. But know that there's going to be some waves sometimes. And so sometimes your one leg is going to be up as you're trying to get the other one back up. Sometimes the, you're going to hit, you know, the wave's going to be in the middle. Sometimes you fall down apart. and hit your balls on the side of the boat. Exactly. Sometimes, you know, the what I'm trying to say is sometimes the waves opens and then you're, you're, your legs are like, oh gosh, I need to, I need to get back together. I need to. You're, you're struggling hard to maintain this balance. Is what I'm trying to say here. Sometimes there's a goddamn pelican that hits you in the face. Sometimes you get hit in the face with, by a pelican, and then you're like, yo, do can I land somewhere on or in these boats, or can I still yeah. keep my feet up in both of them? Yeah, exactly. And so that struck me, and and I was just like, I'm still afraid. I'm afraid that what if I make the wrong mistake and I go to hell, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was listening to this podcast. This was probably one of the best days of my life. Um, I don't say that very often, but they were talking and they're presenting some scientific like evidence about sexuality and about all this stuff about how member members of churches, you know, they often have more shame attached to their normal sexual behaviors. And it kind of struck a chord in me, you know, like, Mm. And so I was thinking about that. And I'm like, okay, um, that's interesting because there, the, really, like the moment that <clears throat> was the most like traumatic for me was when this the the leader, like think of the Pope, but Mormon. Mm-hmm. So the Mormon Pope gave a talk and said, "The time's coming soon where you're going to have to choose, and if you don't choose the right thing, you're going to hell, basically." Right. Right. And so I was like, oh shit, I got I to gotta make a choice. And so I was just depressed and I heard that talk or that podcast about normalizing sexuality, normalizing these things. And it just struck a chord in me. So I started looking up all this other stuff that I'd been afraid to look at, like the history of the church. And right, right. Just we could, we could do a family of podcasts about all the shit that I found that I'm not going to do because that's a different place. Right. Um, but basically, it was like, I was so angry, mm-hmm. so angry about when you are raised in something, it's like a fish in water, you know? Right. The fish doesn't know anything else and let, and t- until you take the fish out of the water, you know? Right, right. And so just unpeeling so many generations of just historical inaccuracies, just all these crimes, all, all this shit that I found gave me the boost to like leave. Right. Right. And it was so hard because I had nothing. I had nobody, you know, I had to be my own community. I had to be my own, you know, set anchor. Right. I feel that. And I feel like a lot of our listeners um, may also have experienced something similar. Like, and when I was going through my faith crisis is when I was like in the air force as well. Like, so, my community consisted of people who were also on the opposite side of the world, away from, <clears throat> away from their families, in this same color of uniform, you know, like, wanting to make it back home safely. Like, while I was also going through crazy traumatic experiences that I hadn't even processed yet, like, mm-hmm. didn't know how to process, never been to therapy at the time. And so, it was, uh, it was a lot, like, <laughs> to say the least. I feel you. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. And so, I... And again, I want to give the benefit of the doubt for people, like as a whole, or rather as individuals. Like, I don't know. As a whole, maybe we could be doing some more work. But I mean, like people who are <clears throat> of the faith who, who say, you know, I'm genuinely wanting to, you know, make a difference or I'm hoping that, you know, what I'm doing here is going to make a difference in the most benevolent way possible, right? Like instead of people who are saying, like who are using, I'm so sick if you can't help, um, people who are using God and the faith to demonize or to point the finger at other people and like to vilify like if i'm not mistaken like we were we're supposed to love each other like and so i also understand sometimes the concept of tough love right and so that i feel tough love must be justified but to, to so many degrees um but i don't believe that it's necessary for us to rave rant scream at 
protesters as they're walking by feel so scared that I'm going to go whip out the big guns because someone is protesting near my house. Like, I I don't know. And then, and then say, <clears throat> I'm a warrior for God. That's why I'm protecting my house right now, even though no one was actively at it. And I'm, I'm talking about a very specific, uh, yeah. like, incident, but it's... It just goes to show, like, it's not that I don't feel like, I don't feel like being on edge constantly with your firearm at the ready, waiting for what you believe to be an opportunity for someone to do something malicious is the best way to live one's life. Because, again, the very same life that we're living looks different to everyone. The mm-hmm. very same justice system that we all believe in looks and works differently for different types of people. And so for someone who's, you know, rummaging through the trash, trying to get some food for their family, they get seen at, like they get looked at as a thief or like this and that they get vilified because they're trying to support oneself. Like the very same life that we live may look different for other people. And I would say like, the people that are Christian that are saying not to help that person haven't read the Bible. Right. Because that was, like, that's what Jesus in the book did, the character Jesus, I'll call him, mm-hmm. helped people. So, Right. But, yeah, get, getting back to it, kind of, yeah, I had nobody, and I found people eventually, you know, that kind of believe similar, found a lot of good coping skills. But, um, yeah, it was just kind of, if you're wondering why Adam's so whatever out there, that's why. <laughs> right, right. This is why. This is why. This explains it. And I'm not going to like apologize for having my feelings or anything like that. But hmm. like, it's just so much better now. I don't know how to describe it. I just, yeah. I feel like liberated. Yes. And I feel like that's that's, that's the ideal goal. Right. For anyone, you want to feel either liberated in your lack of faith or you want to be liberated in the spirit of, you know, the Holy Spirit. Um, And I feel like that would that's the ideal goal. And so how you get there is also as important how you, you know, go along this journey. We can being in Utah, I've heard and seen many stories of people who were on like crazy hard drugs who then turn their life around and be like, okay, well now I'm really super devoted into the faith. I'm sober. I'm doing great. Been sober 20 years. And I think that's, that's powerful, right? They found their liberation in that. And on the flip, right? There's people who were of the faith for the first 18, 19 years in life, got disillusioned and they feel more liberated being, you know, whatever level of productive member of society that they deem necessary, right? And so I think that regardless of how you look at God, I think what is important is what man, and I mean man, woman, human. Human beings. Human beings. I think what is important is that human be like how human beings operate under the name of God, right? If we're using it to, so yeah, I don't need to further explain. God, I could go on for days, literally. Yeah, and it just came to the point where I couldn't hold two things at the same time, like we were talking yep. about. And so it got so heavy. Got to pick one. That I picked one, mm-hmm. you know, and I had a lot of trauma and anxiety and still dealing with that. But I feel like I made the right choice, you know. Happy to hear it. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's kind of me. <laughs> you know, for real. Um we're still fighting wars over this shit. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the in Italy, the new uh, big president, big dookie, big president. I'm not sure, prime minister, whichever. Prime minister, um, probably. They're just like the dude in Hungary. I think uh, the Hungarian uh, prime minister, whomever. I think he's like super far right. And again, if that's your political affiliation, okay, cool, whatever. But the fact that they're like actively saying these people are going against our traditional values we need to like show force against them yeah i'm like that type of rhetoric is dangerous personally and i i feel that 
people want to say that, you know, we're, we're in the end times, we're in revelations where, you know, we, I've heard people say this to me before. And I think what if people are willing for this to be the case, right? They're like, they've made their money. They're good to go. We've got a hell of resources. Now we're trying to rally people for this, this was spiritual conflict that they believe is going to like go down because there's a shit ton of Luciferians who are out here trying to, you know, besmirch God. And yeah, like, it's I, bullshit. It's, it, it, it's sad, honestly. And this, this is one of the things that makes me sad is like, because my son is growing up now, like he's what six months. I mean, he's not like a whole per, like a whole, you know, adult yet, but he's growing up. He's going to grow up in this world. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me wonder, like if we do continue to, but people who harbor, like, say, white nationalist values. Like, we have people in... Power in the highest place, places in positions. Yes. Like, governors, and not even the highest, right? Like, like just governors, just, like, of your particular city or your state. Like, that's enough power to make change. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that, you know, we can maintain as a society and not have to resort to such like fucking backwards thinking, bro. Like we, we, we literally have institutions in place to make sure that people get what they need. Like it doesn't need to be this whole fucking thing. Like, but yeah, that's a completely different conversation for another day, dude. Yeah, for sure, man. So if you or anyone, you know, are struggling with issues relating to faith crises, um, please reach out, please really talk to somebody about it. Like truthfully, um, like someone who is willing to try to understand where you're coming from and not judge you for feeling the way you do. Um, definitely talk to one of those people, reach out, seek help. This world's wild. This world's crazy. Um, but we out here, we in a building, we try Yeah. Well, peace. Bye. Don't come for me. No, but this is actually fun. It's informative because I've already learned a couple of things that I didn't know or things that I hadn't thought about.